Hi, I'm Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. Listen, you know as well as I do that motivation, empowerment, and inspirational stories, they're all well and good, but that's not what keeps us going. That's not what's going to change your life, and that's not what's going to move the needle in your health, your wealth, your happiness, your abundance, or your ability to be able to help other people and make a difference. What keeps us going, what produces results in our lives is activity, not action, activity. And when you can get yourself past the things that stop you and hold you back, that's when you'll thrive and that's when you'll crush it. And I humbly offer you these tools and strategies to kick your own ass and make the changes so that you can thrive. But most of all, I'm going to give you something every single time that you can do to create a change in yourself. Life is exactly what you dare to make it and fortune favors the bold, baby. So if you're ready, let's bold. Hey, what's good? What's good? It's me, Joseph McClendon III, and welcome back to The Cure for the Common Life. If this is your first time visiting us or listening to us, welcome. If you've been around for a while, welcome back. And the promise of this show is always to give you something that you can use in all of those areas of your life that are important, your health, your wealth, your finances, your your well-being, your happiness, your mental health, all of those things. And normally what I would do is I would bring in an expert and I would interview or have a conversation with somebody that is at the top of their field, an expert in their field, and or I would share with you something that is, let's just say, my expertise. And I had originally and still will bring in an expert on this subject. However, he was unable to uh, be on this uh, on this call, but I decided to do it anyway because of our schedules. I won't be able to interview him for a couple months. And I think this topic is extremely important, especially for these times and where we are right now. So I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to expand on it, expound on it. And this is a this is an area of expertise of mine to a certain extent as well, certainly not to uh, the extent that, that um, my guest, his name is uh, is Daniel Pike, and Daniel is a, let's, you want, you matter, matter of fact, I'm not going to tell you about what he does until I get into this for a minute, but uh, it is a level of expertise of mine as well, because I've been able to be able to share with and help people change their lives with this as well. And so the reason I wanted to talk about it now and the reason I felt like it was extremely important that's going on right now is because obviously we're in a crisis right now and the crisis politically, financially and everything that's going on around with the COVID and all those things that are going on right now. And no matter when you're listening to this, if you're listening in the future and you look back, yeah, these were the times. Matter of fact, this is just so you know, this is October the 14th, 2020, the year of 2020 <laughs> when all that stuff happened. And so because of all of the other things that are in the in the news and and the forefront right now this particular subject has been certainly not pushed to the back in the minds and hearts of many many people but in terms of the mainstream media it is overshadowed by politics and the racial issues and the economy and all of those things and that is um, I'm going to just say it this this way uh, global warming and uh, the condition of our earth it's almost, it's certainly not forgotten about here in California. 
uh, you know, half the country and half the state is on fire and uh, they're attributing it to global warming and the conditions that are going on. And I'm sure you've heard, unless you've been living under a rock, that we are reaching a tipping point. And some people even say that we are past that tipping point where it's already too late. Well, I'm the eternal optimist and I don't believe that. And especially after what I'm about to share with you, hopefully you won't believe that as well. And you'll dig your heels in and uh, dig into the earth, no pun intended, uh, to make a difference. And part of the reason I think this is, was so so urgent that I spoke about this and brought this up was I saw a movie, a documentary on Netflix that I'm going to encourage you to watch it as well. And the movie is called Kiss the Ground. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you've seen it, watch it again, because the second time around, actually, I'm, I'm on my third time watching it. You get something every single time, especially something that you can do. The reason I talk, I stay, and by the way, the, the movie is narrated by Woody Harrelson. And so many experts do such a phenomenal job of not just laying things out the way that they are, and certainly not just laying out the problem, which is where most documentaries are, but an unbelievable solution, in my opinion, and and in the opinion of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, that we can quickly turn this thing around. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and then I'm going to circle back around to uh, when I said at the top, and that is something that's, that is uh, huge, huge, huge in all of our lives, and that is not just the food we eat, but how we eat it, when we eat it, and how that food comes to your table. And it all is a loop. You know, this planet is set up in everything uh, you know, everything has its reason and everything has its purpose. And it's it's intertwined in a way that some of us can't even fathom and most of us don't even think about. But again, I want you to go back and watch the movie. I'm going to give you, again, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, then I'm going to circle back around. And the whole concept of the movie or the premise of the movie is that we are in this condition that we're in, not just because of the deforestation and the high carbon footprint and the exhaust and the, and the air pollution that we're put off. Yes, that is that is a big piece of it. But they talk about the earth is able to deal with that stuff and always has been able to deal with that stuff. Certainly not at the level that we are putting it out there, but it is able to deal with it and filter itself and clean itself. But the reason it's unable to do it is because we are eroding the soil. And I don't mean just, you know, washing it away. We're depleting the soil of what it needs to be able to produce whatever it needs to produce beneath the ground and above the ground so that the earth can do its thing and filter out and heal itself. And so I certainly won't do it justice on either one of these subjects, but I do want to bring it to the forefront that, you know, they talk about in the movie, and I'm certainly I'm certainly not going to try and steal the movie's thunder, but because I, I really do want you to go watch the movie. And hopefully I will entice you to do so as quickly as possible, because there's something we all can do. But what they talk about is because of tilling the soil, which means, uh, you know, plowing the soil and turning it over and all those things. And the way that we've been planting things and abusing the earth, we have robbed the earth. We've robbed the, the soil in the ground, not just of its nutrients, not just of its ability to fertilize plants and everything, but we've robbed it of the millions and billions and billions of microbes that lived in that dirt that make life possible. Microscopic things that are that are there that are that have been there since the dawn of time and that includes things like earthworms all the way from microscopic organisms all the way up to earthworms and bugs and and fungus and all of those things that live in the ground that are part of the structure that keep the earth able to continue to grow the plants which in turn filter the air 
There was more than enough, and, and by the way, they say that there's still enough right now, more than enough foliage, trees, and just, just a ground cover, if you will, to do what it needs to be done, not just to filter the air out, because human beings, we obviously, we breathe in oxygen, and plants put off oxygen, but we breathe out carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, and, and plants drink that stuff up. That's what they thrive on, so that's part of the loop. But you got to say, where do those plants get the energy and get everything that they need to do what they do? And it is from the earth. And there's a cycle. Those plants grow, shed their leaves. Those leaves fall off and they fertilize the ground. They turn into the earth. And it is this constant turnover of, like I said, the microbes and all the things that live in the earth that support the roots of the plant, which are the roots of the plant are actually the life of the plant. If you look at it like this, the roots are the brains, everything about the plant, and what it shoots up above the ground are the feelers, the filters, and the things that it needs to breathe to bring everything in. But its brain and everything else is below the soil. And again, that's my interpretation of it. And, and when you go watch the movie, you'll get it. And so, but what keeps those roots healthy and that whole ecosystem that's underneath there and holds the earth together and what makes what's called soil versus dirt. And what is happening is dirt is starting to cover a great part, a, a, a great piece of this planet. And when you look at the planet, the planet was designed to have what's called topsoil. Topsoil is, when you look at it, it's that rich, dark brown and black earth. And in some parts of the countries, it's, it's red. And, and it, you look at it and you can just feel it. When you watch the movie, you'll see it. You can see it within there. It, it clumps together. It holds it, it holds it together. And there's a whole root structure of millions and billions of plants that are underneath there. Well, what happens is when uh, traditional farming comes along, they felt like, okay, we have to turn the soil over to plant our seeds. The problem is as soon as they turn that soil over, they expose that soil and they expose those organisms to something they were never meant to expose to, which is the sunlight, which is the air, and again, pollutions and things outside, and it kills them off. Now, uh, that's about as far as I'm going to go on that because I think you get the uh, you get my point. They'll show evidence of it there. Years ago, we had something called the Dust Bowl, and that was they plowed the soil so much that it couldn't sustain life anymore, and it turned to dust. And there were these huge dust clouds and everything, and and what brought us back from that is, uh, you know, people, human beings moved away from that area, and slowly but surely, the area started to heal itself. And so having said that, I'm going to move away from that, and I'm going to come back to that here in a second. Earlier on, I said it's not just the food that we eat, but how that food is brought to your table, how it is prepared, how, how we eat it when we eat it, and, and what we eat that makes the difference inside our own bodies, because we have an entire ecosystem within ourselves. Now, I had a health retreat pre-COVID for many, many years that I would do, and I'd do it in Marbella, Spain, and, and in one in Geneva, Switzerland, where I would bring people in and uh, feed them educate them, uh, bring in some other experts on air we breathe, water we drink, food we eat, thoughts we think, moves we make, and words we speak, and all those things. That's our ecosystem that makes us uh, able to thrive as human beings. And uh, one of the sections that I talk about are the two, the two different things, water we drink and uh, the food that we eat. And I would always tell people, well, listen, 
obviously, and you've heard this a thousand times by now, the food that we eat, especially the, and by the way, I'm not trying to make you a vegetarian. I'm not a vegetarian. I was for a few years and I got some great benefits from it. And if you are a vegetarian, I'm certainly not knocking you. I got some great benefits from it. And I changed for some of my own personal reasons. I don't eat red meat, but I do eat uh, plenty of fish and uh, some poultry from time to time. So I'm not knocking it. I'm just telling you that if you're going to, if you're going to get your food, I'm going to tell you how to get it in a way that is going to be sustainable. That's going to help the planet that is going to go, it's going to help the soil that's in the ground and create that ecosystem so that everything changes. And one of the things I'll say, because I started saying this about global warming and uh, the condition of the earth and everything, this is my simplistic way of putting it. The earth, the soil has the ability to change that. Watch the movie, you'll see. And in a, in a very short amount of time, very, very quickly, you know, it took us, you know, 50, 60, 70 years to get to where we are right now. Well, they say just in three, four, five years, less than 10 years, we can restore everything, which is certainly hopeful. And when you see the movie, <laughs> I keep going back to that. Uh, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's pretty phenomenal. Hopefully you can tell my excitement about this because um, it was kind of lights on for me. So I would always tell people, listen, if you're going to eat meat, if you're going to eat any, any kind of animal, make sure you get it from a clean source. And what I meant by that is, is all of us have heard that animals, the chickens and the, and the cows and the pigs are pumped so full of hormones right now that you never know what you're getting. The animals are sick their entire lives. And part of the reason that is, and there's other movies you can watch, uh, Forks Over Knives and uh, that food movie and things like that. You can watch those and you'll see it, that cows and chickens were never, ever meant to eat grain. They weren't eat, meant to eat corn because if they do, it throws off their digestive system, makes them sick, which is the reason why they got to pump them so full of hormones and so on and so forth. Cows were meant to eat grass, period, end of story. That's how their system works. And that's it. Chickens were meant to eat bugs and grass. And that's how their system is, is designed. Anything other than that is going to jack them up and cause them to have problems. And again, if you eat a, a problemed animal, then that problem is going inside of you as well. And so uh, my, my dear friend, his name is Daniel Pike, and Daniel has what's called a sustainable farm. And I sat down and I talked to Daniel and he blew me away. And again, I'm going to bring him in and he'll give you the, the details about it. And he started talking to me, and this was several years ago when I, when I first started talking to him about it. And he was talking to me about his main thing was just sustainable. When I say sustain, sustainable animals that you don't have to pump full of hormones, that you don't have to pump full of drugs. And they're able to have a normal, whatever that animal's life is supposed to be. And as a result, the animal is more healthy, which means um, the food that you get from it, the meat that you get from that animal is going to be more healthy. And again, uh, you know, as I said before, with regard to the plants that you eat, the writing is on the walls. The types of plants that you eat, if it's grown from natural soil, they call it organic without chemicals and without chemicals put into the ground, without chemical fertilizers that are put in the ground. The reason that they put the fertilizer in the ground is not just because they've grown that crop over and over again and depleted that soil of its nutrients that that particular plant needs, but because they've turned the soil over so many times that the microbes and all of the things that are inside that soil has died. So even though they, they put the, the fertilizer in it, the plant can't get what it needs to get. And so when he talks about sustainable farming, he grows or shall I say, he farms chickens, cows, and pigs. 
which is the three main, main meats that man eats. Obviously, fish out there in the ocean, that's a whole another story. We'll maybe do another podcast on that, but that's a whole other story. But the reality is, is what he said was, he goes, Joseph, he said, when you think of cows in the pasture, what do you think of? And of course, I think of, you know, you just see a bunch of cows in the field. And he goes, now think about this. Now, the, the predecessor to cattle in America, anywhere, uh, anyway, and you can use this in any other country as well, are the buffalo. Now, you may or may not know this, and again, they'll show it on the movie, but buffalo, matter of fact, the old song where the, where the buffalo roam, <laughs> whatever song that is that we learned in grade school, uh, give me a home where the buffalo roam. There were millions and millions and millions and millions of buffalo that, that roamed the plains here in America. So many. They would say, you know, when you're riding on a, on a train across country, you could see so many of them that you could just see clouds and clouds, you know, on the ground of these buffalo. But the reality is, now, by the way, man killed off so many of those, we almost extinct that animal and how they did it. And they did it because they wanted to, to colonize that land and everything. But, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself because you'll, you'll see this on the movie, but they literally would on trains, people, they would stop the trains and, and men would sit out there and just shoot these animals just for fun and leave them there. And of course, the indigenous people would just, just drive them crazy because they only killed the animal to eat its meat. But they killed these animals. Now, when he said, Joseph, when you think about a cow in the pasture, I said, well, you know, I just think about a cow out there in the middle of the field. And he goes, the truth of the matter is, is that you wouldn't see them. You wouldn't see them. And he said, because there's a little thing, there's not a little thing, there's something called prairie grass. Now stay with me on this because it gets really interesting. Prairie grass grows anywhere from 10 to 14 to 15 feet high. But below the earth, the root system goes down three, four, five feet. And the plant is designed to be cut down. It's grass. And when you think about the grass on your lawn, you never dig up the, the roots you just run your, your lawnmower over it and cut the grass. Well, guess what animals were for? Hooved animals were designed to do that. They are nature's, nature's lawnmowers. And so he said what would happen is the animal, in those days of buffalo, would move into the prairies and they would just, they'd stay in a herd, you know, herds of, you know, a couple thousand or whatever, however many, and they would eat that grass down to the ground you know, two, three inches off the ground. And they would spin there and they'd just stay in that area and they'd chew it all the way down. And when it was chewed down, then they'd move on to the next big clump of prairie grass. And they'd keep moving, you know, across the land. And by the time they got back around to the one that they started with, it's grown back up another 10 to 15 feet. Now, while they're eating, guess what cows are doing? They're pooping like crazy. And while they're pooping, guess what they're doing? They're walking around. And if you think about it, if you look at an animal whose feet are hooves and cloven, they grind back into the soil. They grind uh, that nutrient-rich poop back into the soil. And he told me, he said, Joseph, it doesn't smell like, like human poop or dog poop. It doesn't smell like that at all. As a matter of fact, if you've ever been out on the prairie and you've seen dried cow poop, you know, it doesn't smell. Matter of fact, 
sometimes they use it in campfires. They burn it. It doesn't smell because it's plant-based. And these animals, they just, you know, their hooves grind it back into the earth, which means they're pushing those nutrients back into the earth for all of those microbes to feed on, for the earthworms and for the bugs and all of those things to feed on. And there's all kinds of bugs on the surface. You know, there's flies and there's, and there's, there's uh, beetles and there's all kinds of stuff that are on the surface. But what it's been doing is it's been grinding. That animal has been, been, while it's walking around, its hooves are grinding it back into this, into the earth. And that's the same with pigs, by the way. And pigs, do, you know, they've got cloven feet and cows, you know, they, that's what they're designed to do. That's what those, those animals are for. The same with the goats. Now, what happens is they move on to the next one. Now, what he does, now he fences them off. He fences off an area. He owns, you know, several thousand acres and they fence off this area. They bring in a herd of, of uh, cows. Now, you know, they're not using buffalo now, but some places do. They've been, this is why it's sustainable, by the way. They bring in these cows and guess what? The cows eat it down. And guess what they don't have to do? They don't have to feed them grain, which costs money, which is bad for them. Matter of fact, I think the movie is called Forks Over Knives. I believe one of those movies they show where they have, they, they actually have this, it's pretty disgusting. They show this, uh, this apparatus that they have uh, in this cow's stomach and you look and the cow cannot digest the corn. It just can't. And again, that's where they're giving them growth hormones and, and causing that, that animal, uh, it's living. It said, I remember, uh, uh, them saying before that the flu, I mean, if you can imagine having the flu 24 seven, your entire life, that's what that animal feels like. It's miserable. And so back on what I was talking about, I get excited about this and get off track, but so the animals grind it in and then guess what? They make these electric fences. So the cows stay in this area. He leaves them in there for a few weeks and they eat down to the, down to, you know, three, four, five inches. And then they fence off another area that's, that is grown back up and the cows move into that and they fence that off. Now the area that they just ate down and ground into the earth and, and fertilize the earth, they bring in the chickens next. And the chickens, they were designed to eat bugs and grass. And so they eat the remaining two to three inches down. But what's within those uh, that area are all kinds of bugs, beetles and grub worms and all that stuff that are thriving in there. And that's why, you know, if you look at a chicken, they have feet to scratch the earth. As they scratch the earth, it exposes those bugs. They have beaks to peck at and pick things out to pick up bugs. That's what they're there for. That's their protein. They weren't eating, you know, when you think of it now, you see somebody feeding a chicken, they throw the grain out. And it's pretty disgusting when you see, uh, when you see this movie, you'll see how they raise these animals and how they treat these animals as well. It's pretty horrible. And I know I'm not telling you anything new, but it's kind of nice to, to take a look at something and see the reality and then maybe you'll do something about it. So they bring these chickens in and these chickens, now they live on that land that the cows just lived on. They stay on that land for the amount of time, whatever that time is. And then they remove the fence to move the cows onto the next area and they move the chickens in there. And it's a rotation. And by the way, chickens, cows, pigs, same thing. They just move them around. They just move them around. And the job of the farmer now is not about herding the cattle and feeding the cattle and throwing the grain for the chickens and things like that, which by the way, chickens, they poop as well. And just so you know, chicken poop or bird poop is high in nitrogen, which is huge for the plants. That's why they grow so big. So when the chickens leave, the roots are still in place. The fertilizing is still in place. Now that plant has all that it needs and it just grows like crazy. 
grows up like crazy, you know, 10, 15 feet, move on. And it's just sustainable because they just keep on moving. As a result, my friend Dan says that they can produce a better and higher quality animal than I, uh, and for cheaper than, you know, people that are running these big, you know, here in California, I drive out east and there are these, and it's just, this, the smell is God awful. You smell it from the car, but as far as you can see, it's just all these cows and there's not a plant in sight. And you've seen them. They're, they're just acres and acres and acres of all these miserable cows. And I, you know, now I look at them different. I think those poor animals, you know, they, they got the flu all the time. And it's the same when you look at the chickens. You know, they grow these chickens inside. They say they're free range, but they don't have to really do that. Uh, you'll see that on the movie. So why am I telling all this stuff? Because there are sustainable farms coming up all over the place, all over the place. And by the way, what's really great about it is the farmers also, when you'll see it on the movie, because of the way that they're farming, the way that they're doing, they're able to take that soil and move it into their crop farming as well to grow better crops. So the food that you're getting and, 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 and the, uh, the meat that you're eating is spectacular, GMO free. And by the way, they move the chickens into the areas where they're growing those foods as well, because the chickens are, 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 are nature's natural pesticide. They're in there. They're eating all those bugs that were, you know, bothering the plants and so on and so forth. And, and by the way, when you start to do that, other birds come in and other animals come in as well. And yes, there are some animals that are pests, rabbits and things like that, but that's part of the deal, right? And so I'm saying all this because circling back around to the point of the movie is that the earth, the soil, the topsoil, and the ecosystem that grows, that goes along under the topsoil is our savior. I forget what the ratio is, but X amount of, of feet of good soil will clean out X amount of tons and pounds of, of pollutants in the air. X amount of plants will clean out the earth. Obviously, we're, we're hopefully headed towards more, let's just say, uh, uh, eco-friendly ways of, of driving. I drive an electric car and I have driven one for gosh, since they came out. So gosh, I've had, I've had a Tesla for six years now. And I'm telling you, when you get yours and you will, might not be a Tesla when you get your, your uh, electric vehicle, which is where things are headed. Um, you're going to realize that life is much simpler. My, that life is meant to be this way. It's just so much nicer. That's just my pitch for it as well. And I'm not saying that you got to take away gasoline cars. I'm just saying that, uh, uh, they're getting it down to a science to be able to produce the car is less of a carbon footprint. And obviously to uh, be able to uh, run that car is a lot less expensive than driving a uh, gasoline car. So having all, having said all of that and coming around back around to the main point of this of this podcast so that you can live an uncommon life is this. The soil has the ability, like I said, to turn global warming around. It truly does. And we, su we support that soil by doing a couple things. There's some things that you can do on your own and obviously within the government and so on and so forth. There's lots of things that they can do as well, hopefully change things around. And so one of the things that you can do, I've been doing this for a long time. You don't have to go to this extent that I am. I do, but I grow my own food and you would be absolutely amazed at how simple it is and how much food you can grow on as little as a three foot, maybe a six foot square plot of dirt. I'm telling you, it's amazing. We grow so much food. Uh, I have a greenhouse that's 12 by 12. 
Now, I've been doing it for years and years. If you don't have room for a greenhouse, you can buy these uh, hydroponic gardens and everything. It will amaze you. You, you might not think it you, because you're thinking, well, gosh, you know, I go to the grocery store and I buy, uh, you know, lettuce. I buy all these things every week. Well, your plants, remember the root system, as long as it's intact, it's going to keep on growing stuff on top. And yes, there are things that are seasonal. But a great deal of the uh, of the vegetables, like I'll give you an example, celery. I eat celery every day. It's so good for you. It's, it's one of the, uh, nature's greatest plants. And so celery is amazing. If you get it, trust me on this, you gotta, and I'll prove it to you. Get a, a stalk of celery. You can do this on YouTube. You can go check it out on YouTube. You don't have to take my word for it. Go watch it. You cut the celery off maybe an inch to an inch and a half from the bottom, which means you just have you know, because they cut the roots off and, and they sell it to you. You just have the bottom half of, of the stalk. Take that stalk and put it in a bowl of water, just regular water. Within about a week, you're going to start seeing, first off, within a few days, you're going to start to see the center of that celery stalk, or let's just call it the hub, is going to start to sprout. A new celery plant is going to start to grow out from that. We've all seen potatoes that you leave in the, in the uh, bag for too long. It starts to sprout. Well, the same thing happens to celery. But here's the cool thing. Once it starts to grow, uh, it'll start to sprout out, the, out of the middle. Within about a week to 12 days, it's going to start growing roots into that water. All you got to do is get a pot of dirt, you know, go to the store and get yourself, a, you know, some, some potting soil or whatever. Keep it moist, put it in there, and you're going to grow a new stock of celery for nothing. Now, what I did was I went out, um, you know, I grow these indoors, by the way. I grew some in the garden outside. And, and if you haven't yet proof of this, you can come join me on my Instagram account. I am Joseph McClendon. If you scroll back through the summertime, my garden was, you'll see how much I grew in there. It was amazing. And I only use half of it. I said it's, it's, uh, 12 by 12. No, it's actually 12 by eight. I only used half of it to produce all of the food that I did. I'll tell you about that here in a second. But the celery, now, listen, you, rarely do you eat the whole stock of celery. What happens is you go in and you you cut off, you know, you, you break off, you know, a, a few sticks of celery and you use that for whatever you're going to use it and you leave the rest of it in the refrigerator and you kind of nibble off of that for however long that lasts your family. Well, guess what? Now that it's growing in your house, and remember, Every plant that's in your house is putting off oxygen and it's filtering the air. You just, what I do is I just go over there and I cut off just a couple of sticks of celery that I'm going to use or I'm going to juice. And I leave the plant and its roots intact and it just keeps on growing. Well, listen, the same thing happens with most vegetables. You know, even like I, like this year for the first time I grew beets. If you look on my Instagram, you'll see there's a, a, a beet that is, is twice the size of a softball because I grew it just out of regular dirt. But the leaves from that beet, I would go out there and I'd cut off one or two leaves, you know, every other couple days and I'd throw that in a salad. The same with lettuce. I don't pull the whole lettuce up out of the ground. I just cut off some leaves until that animal, till that animal, till that plant does what's called, um, Oh, I forgot the term of it, but it shoots up flowers. So, you know, that's, that's the end of that, of that plant's growing cycle. But up until then, I'm eating off that plant. The same with, with, uh, cucumbers, the same with, uh, tomatoes, the same with squash. And, and, you know, in our garden this year, we grew carrots, we grew beets, we grew radishes, we grew tomatoes, we grew cucumbers, and obviously celery and sugar snap peas and, uh, squash and watermelon. And what else did we grow in there? 
cantaloupe, and the list goes on and on. And I had so much food that I had to go around, didn't have to, but I gave around and I gave it to my neighbors. We couldn't eat it all. You know, if you've got a huge family, maybe a different story, but you would be amazed. And do not take my word for it. Go on YouTube and just look up what they call above ground gardening. Now, I'm saying this because, you know, obviously it's cheaper to grow your own food. You buy a pack of seeds and uh, and you just keep on growing it over and over again because the plants like bell peppers, I take the seeds out of the bell peppers that I grew and threw them in the ground. I don't have to buy any more. And, uh, and it'll amaze you. So that part of it's taken care of. Now you're growing your own food, which means you're not taxing the system or at least some of it, you know, which means that you're not spending the money, which means you're not taxing the soil of somewhere else. Um, if you can't grow yours, and again, they got hydroponic gardens. I got one of those as well. And it's simple. It waters itself. You know, what, what kind of effort does it take to, you know, take a little can of water and pour some water in every three or four days or something like that? You know, in my greenhouse, I hooked up to my sprinkler system. It waters itself. In the house, you know, you got these hydroponic things. It, they, they water themselves constantly. Now, that takes care of your plants. That's something you can do for obvious reasons. It's going to purify the air in your house. It's going to put food in your stomach, in your fam- family stomach, and it's all good, clean, fun. You don't have to worry about any bugs. So you don't have to do any pesticides, non-GMO. As far as the animals go, get it from a clean source. Look up sustainable farms. They're cropping up all over the place. And just make sure that that animal is truly free-ranged. Like I said, you know, my friend, if you look him up, his name is Daniel Pike. I'm not sure. I don't have his uh, his website. Hopefully, we'll put it in the section below so you can have it there. But uh, and there's an example. And just educate yourself. Two things. Number one, watch that movie, Kiss the Ground. Number two, educate yourself. Go on YouTube and look up sustainable farming and look up for yourself. You know, a lot of people, maybe you live in, a, in an apartment. If you do, you can buy windowsill uh, uh, vegetables or uh, uh, pots that you can put in your windowsill. Grow all year long. If you live in an apartment or something, you can get, there's some great hydroponic vegetable growers and they, you know, it's, it's plug and play. It's drag and click, drop it in there and it, and it uh, sustains itself. Again, back on, on eating meat. When I say get it from a clean source, it comes with a new directive to it. And that clean source is make sure it's sustainable that that animal. And when you see the movie, it'll make you sick about how they treat those animals, that that animal lives, lives a happy life, just doing what it does grazing along and grinding its poop into the earth (laughs) for obvious reasons. And so, you know, I hope this has been helpful to you. I hope this has been at least as enlightening as as, uh, it was for me when I watched the movie. Go and watch the movie. It's on Netflix. It is called Kiss the Ground. It'll open your eyes. And then lastly, do whatever it is that you can to support any of those organizations that bring with it the promise of helping us have a cleaner earth, have a more sustainable earth. This is the only one that we got. And what is going to happen and what is happening is the common man is running that thing into the ground, the common human being. Well, as that old saying is, once that mind is expanded, it can never go back to where it, where it was. So hopefully this expands your mind enough that you'll take a deeper look and do something about it, really. You know, have, if, you, if you are fortunate enough to have a house where you've got grass in the backyard, then you've got enough area to do an above ground project. And I'm, and it's a lot of fun. I'm telling you, it's a lot of fun. It really is, you know, getting out there and doing it. A lot of people, like for example, people have in their front yards, they plant flowers and things like that. That's awesome. Well, you, if you can do that, you can plant a garden in the background, in the, in the backyard. I went out and, you know, because I, I love to do it and I got a little, a little bit of uh, area on my property here. I bought a greenhouse. I think the thing cost me a thousand bucks. 
put it together. It was a, it was a project of my son and uh, uh, mine, put it together, put it up there and hooked it all up. And it just grows. I don't have to pay any attention to it, but it is glorious to look out there and uh, see it. So remember this, that life is exactly what you dare to make it. And fortune favors the bold. Be bold enough to do something different. This is the cure for the common life. The common life of the time are, are people who do things the regular way. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that the common life is not going to produce the type of life that you want. So I encourage you to A, watch the movie, B, do something about it and help make a difference. And as you'll see, we can turn this whole thing around. So I look forward to serving you again. And if you like this, please do the common things, if you will, not to uh, to beat a dead horse, but to uh, subscribe, like, and pass this on to your friends and family as well. Let me know how I can support you. If you got if you got questions or anything, please enter them below and let me know. And I look forward to seeing you and I will see you at the top. I'm out. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Cure for the Common Life podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions or comments or any topic ideas you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at josephmcclendon.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the top. <laughs>